Hi, friends. I'm Olivia. I'm Rod. And you're listening to Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. In today's episode, we have Rich Lee here, who is filling in for my dad. And so we're going to cover the sermon from Sunday, February 18th. And Rich, you were here about 20 years ago, so I know it might have seemed like stepping into the twilight zone because things are the same and yet different. It's true. You got your THM yep. from Southeastern. You're currently working on your MDiv. Uh, or... Backwards. Oh. So I got my MDiv at Southeastern. Oh, and you're currently working on your THM. No, I have a THM. I'm working on my doctorate. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Sorry. That's not awesome. God is awesome. There we go. Hey, somebody listen to the sermon. <laughs> but that's very cool. Yeah. A lot of knowledge. So your sermon was focusing mostly on Psalm 111 as the the text. You brought in some others, but your main points were on the works of God and the character of God. You're a, currently a military chaplain, and you have been for yeah. a while now. Are there any instances when you're reading over Psalm 111 that come to mind from your time as a chaplain that just instantly remind you yeah, that's the work of God. That's the character of God that I've seen so clearly. Yeah. So this psalm uh, talks a lot about the the truth towards the end. Verse 8 talks about um, his instructions are trustworthy. They're established forever and ever, enacted in truth and what is right. Uh, and then he goes into the holiness of his name in verse 9. And that really struck me when I was working through this, uh, this psalm in that this idea of God's holiness and his truth— and the psalm is reminding uh, Israel of those. And then it goes into an action point in verse in verse 10. And one thing that I find is here recently is, as I'm older now, an older chaplain, I've got older uh, service members coming to me. So they, they, they tend to kind of gravitate to someone who's about their age, uh, even though I've had, you know, lots of service members come to me no matter what their age. But particularly here recently, I've had uh, a handful of guys come to me and they're, they're towards the end of their career like I am, and they have lived their life um, kind of in a hedonistic world and doing what they wanted to do and setting their own idea of what's right and good. And they're now realizing that that's put them in a position where their relationships are suffering and they're hurting. And they're now just getting to the point where they can admit that. And really what they're saying is they have played God their entire career entire lives. And so these are these are guys who are 45, 50 years old and they're coming to me and looking and look asking me how do I do this different? They're realizing that what they've done up to this point is not of God. They had a faith growing up, they never lived it out as adults and now they're coming and saying, "Okay, now I need to I need to fix stuff." And like I spoke today, it's they're they're wanting to change the outside. Uh, and I'm turning them to these to texts like this and reminding them, "Okay, you, you can change your actions, but it's only going to last for a while." Really what we've got to do is change the inside. And we've got to let Christ reform us from the inside out. Jesus talked about, he's talking to Pharisees and calls them hypocrites and say, you, you're, you're cleaning the outside of the cup, but the inside of the cup is, is dirty. And this is a picture of who we are. Um, and as, as we're reflecting God's image, we, we grow up in a, in a society that's very, what, what I call it, uh, it's legal in that it's not legalism, but it's, you know, when we're kids, uh, as I remember you, uh, you were taught to, if you do if you do good things, you follow the rules, then you're then you're rewarded, uh, and that rewards different ways. And if you break the rules, then you're punished. And we go off to school, and it's the same thing. 
you have to follow all the rules of, you know, don't, don't talk in the hallway and, and you get punished if you do and you're rewarded for good behavior. The problem is we carry that into the church and we carry that into this idea of God. And, and we're taught when we're little kids, that there's the 10 commandments. These are 10, God's 10 rules, follow those rules. And then, then you'll be in good with God. So that's kind of natural uh, for us to, to gravitate to that. And that's where I see these guys are coming from. They're going, oh, okay, I've kind of messed it all up. I need to clean up the actions. And God is saying, no, I, you need to come to me. Your actions, your actions, I'll cover those. They're already dealt with at the cross. I just need you to see that I'm God and I'm your Lord. And commit, commit your life to me. Let me be your, your king and your savior. And let the Holy Spirit start to work from you on the inside out. The struggle I see from, from a lot of them, though, is they want a quick change because they had, they've gotten caught with something. And so I always ask them, okay, are we talking? Are we having this conversation because you got caught? Or do you really want to change? If you really want to change, then we need to do some work. It's going to take some time. And that's what I see here at the, at the end. I didn't really get into uh, in the text or in the sermon. In verse 9, we talked about his holy name. And he sent redemption to his people, the verse says at the beginning. He's ordained his covenant forever. And that reminds me of, of you know, covenants all through the Old Testament where God is preserving, preserving, preserving. He's the one that's faithful all the way from Abrahamic covenant all the way through David and then into Jeremiah. And, and many of us know that famous verse in Jeremiah 31. It says, I'm establishing a new covenant. I remember your sin no more. You will be my people and I will be your God, uh, forecasting and predicting the, the Messiah to come found in Christ. And then in verse 10, uh, I just want to encourage everyone who's listening to, to remember that as we grow and we walk with, with God, that this wisdom comes from, it says, who, all who follow his instructions have good insight. It's not about following the instructions. It's gaining the insight and wisdom from those instructions. Uh, so in the, my ministry in the military, uh, that's where I see people struggling, is they, they don't want to submit to the, the, the king of the universe. They will submit to themselves. Um, and that, we all struggle with that. So it's, kind of, it's coming to a knowledge and understanding of who, of who Christ really is and what he's done for us. And then our response to that. And it's one thing to, to come to a salvation understanding. It's a whole other thing to, to grow in that sanctification, or that, that idea of process of salvation over time, which Paul talks about, work out your, your salvation with fear and trembling, which is, is not, not work-based. That's where we grow. Right. Absolutely. So with your current role as a chaplain, can, can you talk a little bit about what your current role is just for yeah. So people know, however much you can share. Yeah. Uh, so I shared this morning that uh, I was here as a seminary student. Um, the church ordained me, which I was so appreciative of, and, and commissioned me, which really just means they commissioned me to go do ministry. Uh, so I left here in late 2004 uh, when I finished Southeastern. Went up to uh, Maine, where I was an associate pastor up there. Uh, interesting, I was the only associate Southern Baptist pastor in the entire state of Maine. Because I went to a Southern Baptist seminary, I thought, well, you know, I'll go serve the Southern Baptists. There were 13 Southern Baptist churches and 14 pastors in the entire state. So I did a lot of pulpit supply up there, uh, given those, given all those uh, those pastors' time off, which was a, a great time for me to to learn and to uh, to make some mistakes. And you know, because any new job we go into, any new ministry, uh, you got to have that opportunity to 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 do great things and to fail. Um, so I learned a lot there, um, and then I came back on active duty as a chaplain in 2006. So I've been a chaplain since then, um, continue my career. I've got a total of 27 years of military service now. Um, as I mentioned this morning, I had time before I came here, took a little time off to go to school and uh, 
now it's it's going to be sad to uh, to move move out of a role as a chaplain in, in the military, um, but it's also a joy because God's moving us to another another ministry life or portion of our life. Currently, uh, I've served all over the place. Uh, every two or three years, I've moved uh, to uh, locations. As I've spent a good amount of that time as a chaplain to the Marines, because uh, Marines don't have their own chaplains or doctors or corpsmen, so they use Navy. So I spent a lot of time with Marines in Quantico and uh, Hawaii. I know suffering for Jesus in Hawaii, but that's where I did an infantry tour and um, I was an uh, infantry battalion chaplain. So I was. Uh, running around with a pack on my back and living out in the woods uh, for days and weeks at a time. Um, it's nothing like uh, doing an Easter service when you hadn't had a bath in ten days. So I kind of kind of felt like John the Baptist um, eating locusts. Uh, but it was it was probably some of the best ministry I've had. Um, and for military chaplains, when you're out and away from the base or where you live, and you're on a ship or you're in the in the field with the Marines and you're in that expeditionary environment, that's where the ministry is rich and beautiful. Because uh, you have a captive audience, which is which is great. So we bounced. Uh, Heather and I bounced around the the world, coming in and out of the the Marine Corps and the Navy. We were stationed in Bahrain for a couple of years, um, in Okinawa for a couple of years, and then uh, I'd spent three years up in the the Pentagon, supporting an admiral up there, doing doing a lot of uh, paperwork for an admiral. Um, but that was a really enriching uh, developmental time for me personally. It, uh, I didn't think I had hands on ministry because it was it was really kind of office work. Um, but then my, my wife reminded me, it's like, well, you're working with a big staff, you're leading a staff, and that's ministry. Because ministry is, you know, how do you define ministry? Sometimes we think of ministry is is working in a church and you're a pastor or you're, you're feeding the homeless. Um, ministry is, you know, look at Jesus. He went to people where they were. Um, so that's what I do as a chaplain. And now I'm uh, finishing up my career with uh, Naval Special Warfare on the uh, East Coast in Virginia Beach area and serving a... Uh, Serving the Navy SEALs there as they get ready to prepare for deployment, um, and some people are kind of they 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 look at me and go, "Oh, that's really cool. You're serving with the SEALs," but um, it's it's ministry like any, any other place. Um, I was a chaplain with Marines. I was a chaplain on a ship. I was a chaplain on shore tour. I'm a chaplain with with uh, Navy SEALs. It's all about relationships and entering into the place where they are and uh, taking care of their families at the time of need. Yeah, and yeah, you're talking about working in an office, you know, Paul was a tent maker while he was doing his ministry. So, you know, wherever the Lord has you, you can, you can serve in, in the craft that he's given you and the, the work that he has given you, the office that he has given you. So you were in the Navy first, then you went to seminary. What led to that choice to decide, hey, I would like to make a pretty radical shift to go from the Navy to seminary? Yeah, that's, thanks for asking that. I haven't, answered that question in a long time. Uh, I think your dad asked me that question 20 years ago um, in this very building. So when I was a, a naval flight officer, uh, I was flying missions all over the world for a couple of years as a young guy. I love the the technical aspect of it. I, I loved what I did. I love airplanes. I love flying. Um, I grew up as a kid with making model airplanes and it was uh, it was pretty cool to, to to do some of the flights that I did. But as I was growing in my faith, and trying to figure out what, what is God calling me to do? Am I serving where I need to serve? I went on a mission trip uh, with a, a pastor who's uh, still a mentor of mine. And he was doing uh, short-term mission trips to uh, to a lot of places in the world, but particularly this, we were going to Brazil at the time. And we were going to small cities, and it was kind of, it wasn't traditional mission trips where you go build a school or run or, or you know run a vacation Bible school. We were locating 
locals who want to be pastors, and we were going to their community, and we're literally going door to door, knocking on doors, and introducing uh, the people of those houses to this guy who's their who's their pastor, so a local Brazilian uh, who could be their pastor, and we would just have this inner this conversation about the gospel with them, and it was a lot of evangelism, but it was interesting to watch these local Brazilians look at me as a as a white American in the middle of the Amazonia. So why and they would ask, Why are you here? What brought you here? And my response was always, God led me here. God God sent me here to see you and to see um the light of hope come into their lives. Because a lot of them are very impoverished, a lot of them are farmers or textile workers, um, and to bring the hope of Christ to them right there and then say, Oh, by the way, here's your pastor who's going to walk with you. So it wasn't just us coming in and, and, and giving something and leaving. We were connecting them uh, with a community of gospel. So uh, as I experienced that, like no other place I ever have, I, I thought, wow, this is, a, this is what the gospel is about. It's about connecting with people and showing them Christ and showing them uh, the beauty and the glory of who he is and how even when you walk with them, life is not beautiful and wonderful all the time by our perspective or standards, but it is to him as we grow and reflect his image. So I thought, I got I to gotta do this full time. I took some time praying through that with with leaders and my pastor and then my my uh, former pastor who was uh, my mentor. And I came to the realization that God was calling me into ministry. So I took a step out of the Navy. Uh, I figured the best way to, 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 to really to be a, a Navy chaplain, which I thought I wanted to do, was to go ahead and resign, get out of the Navy, uh, come to Southeastern, and uh, do that full-time. Uh, and what was interesting, there was a uh, one of my neighbors was a Marine who did the exact same thing. Um, so we connected, uh, and we, we shared stories, and it was almost exactly the same. That uh, he had a serving in a particular spot, but he's calling us to a different spot. And all my mentors, uh, as I'm walking through this process, um, and they walked me through First Timothy, qualifications of an elder or a pastor, uh, and part of that is other people see it in you. So I had other people coming and say, yeah, we see that in you. Uh, so that was the shift. It was really a calling. Short, short to the answer. It was a calling. Is it very common for chaplains to be in that branch for years prior and then just switch, try to you know switch to that path of being a chaplain? Or is it something where somebody maybe who hasn't had military experience says, you know what I would really like to do is serve this particular group. I want to be a military chaplain. Yeah, it's both. Uh, you can uh, you can switch over and be a chaplain. There, there's requirements. You have to have an M degree and, and years of uh, ministry experience. But we have a mix of both, and I think it's good. Do you find when you're talking with, now you're, you're higher up with the SEALs, I mean, like the best of the best, do you find that there's a difference when you're talking with them if they know, oh, you were in the Navy prior to this versus when they're talking to someone who came in to be a chaplain? I think initially, uh, I, I can't really sp- speak for what they're thinking, sure. but I can see, uh, observe what, what, uh, what's happened is uh, when they see that uh, you have some experience or a warfare device on, uh, it, it's a curiosity piece. It's a conversation starter, I believe. Uh, but ultimately, it comes down to are you an effective and engaging chaplain who can be a real person to have a conversation with them? And I think that's what's most important for whether you're in active duty and you become a chaplain, you're doing something different uh, than chaplaincy, or if you come right out of a seminary and you've never done uh, any kind of military and you want to come and be a chaplain, it's uh, how do you connect with people? 
and can you enter into a space that's completely different than your church and connect with a person on a real level? Yeah, I mean, that's that's important in, in any job, but I can imagine how that, especially with the things that people are dealing with in the military, not only the the service member themselves, but the family around them, especially when their loved one is deployed for six months or longer, yeah. you know, that's, those are hard conversations to, so to be able to enter in that and be a listening ear, to be that friend and that, that person who will be there for them. That's a huge impact to someone to have that. Yeah. It's uh it's, it's, it's been a blessing to be with people, uh, in those situations, uh, but also, uh, you know, at, at their promotions and their retirements, uh, those those celebratory times, uh, coming back from deployments is, is fun to, to be around and see see that reconnection of families. Uh, but we're also there uh, for for the, the, the really hard times. Um, and that's where it, it may sound strange to say, but that that that's an opportunity for some really good connections in that in in someone's worst day. And I've done it a lot. Uh, delivering bad news to uh, a husband or a wife or a father or mother uh, that their their loved one is no longer with no longer here. That those times are rich for ministry because that's an opportunity to share one just real love from a human to a human, um, and then connect them to the divine. And sometimes you have to work around okay, well, how do, how do they perceive that? How do they work through that? Uh, ultimately, I would love to evangelize everybody, but that's not being a chaplain. Um, you can work that in, uh, in in time as appropriate. And that those are those are beautiful times, they're trying times, they're hard times. But when I think, reflect back on all my time as a chaplain, they're some of the, the the richest ministry times and fulfilling times as well. I have one last question, and then actually technically two. How can we, in a very specific way, maybe like two or three very specific ways, how can we be praying for you and your team, whether it's your your team of chaplains, but then also the people that you're directly connected with, how can we specifically pray for you guys? Yeah, thanks for thanks for that. Uh, I think uh, number one, pray uh, for endurance, because sometimes being a chaplain, you're you're in a unit and you're the only chaplain, um, and you may have adjacent uh, units or a, a chaplain over you, uh, but a lot of times you're you're alone, and so pray for that that team you may have an assistant with you but pray for that team to have uh, a sense of community and belonging because uh, as chaplains in a units uh, whether with Navy special warfare like I am now or with the infantry uh, because you're because you're the one of one you're the only one around you're different uh, so pray that they're able to connect and find uh, not just opportunities to do ministry but also friendships within that unit that they can be encouraged uh, they can be refilled and renewed as well. Uh, so, because we can't, you know, we 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 minister out of, our, out of the abundance. Um, when your cup is is getting empty, you have nothing to give. So, pray for endurance uh, for them. The power of God would be with them. The second part is several people asked me this morning about you know culture and how that's impacting our our military, and it certainly does because it's a microcosm of, of our culture, and we are we are led uh, we're led by civilian, often political appointees. Uh, so all that mixes in, especially in an election year. So it's just pray. I would ask to pray for leadership, pray for leaders that they'd be focused on the mission, focused on the people, uh, because they we can't get the mission done without the great, great, great people. And, and we're seeing a recruiting trouble, recruiting problem in our in our country. And some of that is uh, 
you know, due to politics and all that kind of stuff. So uh, our military should be apolitical and it should be treated so. So let's pray for that uh, and pray for uh, great men and women to step up to to serve sacrificially. And then my truly last question, is there anything that you would want to talk about that we haven't covered or now that you have an opportunity to, you know, say something on a podcast? Is there anything in particular that you want to say? Yeah. Uh, some of the work you mentioned, the, the doctoral work uh, that I'm working on right now is another point of prayer is for our veterans uh, and for those who are transitioning out of the military. Uh, there is a if you if you're listening and you've never heard of this, uh, I recommend to take a look at moral injury. Uh, that's what I'm working on the area of my writing. It is a, a development that came out of some psychologists working with veterans uh, in PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome, and they they've branched this off as as a wounding to the soul, and it comes out as uh, guilt and shame, uh, disgust, feelings of betrayal. So those are, uh, I believe, those are inherently spiritual struggles. So pray for our veterans or do some reading on your own on moral injury. There's a lot of uh, literature out there right now, those short articles, uh, because I think moral injury is um, what anybody experiences who's been through uh, anything traumatic in their life or even just a sad time or a loss. You, ha- you have a wounding of your soul, uh, which, which can only be healed by the great healer. Of God Himself as as the physician for us, but that's also done in community. So as a, as a as a final thought here is that's something I think that it's a, the next thing I think our church needs to work on is helping people through trauma and difficult times and seeing seeing that wounding of the soul that we need to enter into that space and not be afraid to do it. Yeah, and He is the great healer, yeah. and praise God for that. Thank you, Rich, for not only coming and and filling in today, but for taking the time to sit down and talk with us, give a little bit about your background and what you're currently working on. Hopefully, I mean, I know I was encouraged by it, but hopefully others will be as well. It's great to see you. And thank you all for listening to another episode of Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church.